Welcome to It's No Secret, a podcast for Kiwis who want their money questions answered. Ready, steady, go. This podcast will answer the money questions you may or may not have on your mind. We'll talk to real Kiwis and share truths about our own financial lives, both the successes and the failures. Because the truth is, there is no secret to achieving financial freedom. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of It's No Secret, the first of our Money Moments episodes where we chat to real Kiwis about their experiences with money. As you've come to expect from us, we chat through the good and the bad with a fair dose of radical honesty. Today we are joined by Michaela Hopkins. Michaela is the Chief Marketing Officer at The Face Place and founder of Her Career, a networking and development hub for entrepreneurial women and co-host of the number one careers podcast in New Zealand. Michaela is also a friend and inspiration to us both, so we're incredibly excited to welcome her onto the show. In this episode, she shares how her mum taught her to balance the books, paying toilet tax as a kid, the five-year journey to becoming a homeowner, and why she was terrified of spending her money. We hope you enjoy the conversation as much as we did. Welcome, Michaela. Thanks so much for joining me today. Super cool to chat with you, not only as a fellow um, money chatter, but as a now great friend. So first, a great place to start would be, can you please explain who you are and why you love talking about money? Absolutely. So I am Michaela Hopkins, as you said, and a dear friend of yours now, thankfully, because I love all things money and I love the vibe of me chat. Um, A little bit about me, my backgrounds in marketing and branding. um, And for as long as I can remember, money has been on my mind, sometimes negatively, sometimes positively. So really excited to have this chat and see where we go. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. Tell me about your relationship with money growing up. What was the starting point? Your childhood? Did you learn from your parents? The whole thing. So I had a really interesting upbringing with money and I think it's easy to think that you were the only one that felt all of those things when you don't talk about money with anybody outside of your family um, as a child. So I remember having a real scarcity mindset when it came to money. I remember having so, so much fear around losing the little amount of money that I did have and I always remember stressing about money. There, There was never enough um, in terms of sort of being brought up, it was initially just my mum and I. And so as a 24-year-old single mum, she had to budget like crazy. And so I feel like money was always a part of everyday conversations. I was really conscious of it. I always remember having so much fear around money. Interesting. So did your your mum openly talk to you about it yeah. kind of like every day, really? Yeah, well, I mean, I, who knows? I mean, it's yeah, five-year-old it Michaela. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I do remember it being a really safe place to talk about money and I know she really wanted a better future for me and wanted me to have financial stability and so it was never we never chatted about investing or property or anything like that it was always Mm. about saving and so she always wanted me to know where I was at with money so I had um even like I must have been probably seven years old when it first started I had this little red a5 book where I had to track all of my ingoings and outgoings. So wow. I'll show you a photo. Go like, mom. I have to say that. It's pretty cool. Oh, I hated it at the time though. Like to go get a 50 cent bag of lollies, having to write that in my job, in my journal, my book thing. I remember going through it and there'd be little things like toilet tax. So I would get taxed if I was supposed to be asleep. And there wasn't a way for like my mum to like try to take money from me. She just <laughs> okay. knew that money was really important to me. So as a punishment, yeah. 
that's how she would try and make sure that I stayed in bed after my bedtime. So that's like, so interesting. Yeah. Wow, that is a great parenting time. <laughs> it's so wild, but I'm so grateful now because I always know where I'm at with my money. And like yeah. every month I would have to balance it out and I'd have my tally of what's gone in, what's come out, and then my final amount on my bank account. Oh yeah, okay. And so growing up, did your mum own property or did you kind of rent do you know that we rented we always rented so my parents moved out of Auckland because the Auckland property market so they bought for (laughs) their their first time five years ago I think oh wow yeah so we always rented where I always remember moving through a lot of houses oh yeah okay I I'm exactly the same I think growing up I think one year we moved like three times wow. or something like that. Yeah. But I mean, and no fault of my parents yeah, of at course, all. But of course. Um, yeah, I mean, we got to also stay in some cool houses yeah. and try out a pool and stuff like that. Yeah. So that was fun. It was <laughs> but, nice. And I remember my mum would have flatmates as well, who I really like, I don't know, just made life a little more interesting. Yeah. And then I, when my stepdad came into the picture, then we, we still moved from house to house, but mm-hmm. I feel like less so. So oh, yeah. there's a little bit more... Um, stability there but I think as a child I don't think you consider things like stability yeah you know I don't really think that's something you're conscious of yeah and so your teenage years having that book and tracking all your spending and things like that while you were at school how did that translate so through school again I always remember being really wary of or scared that something would come up outside of my budget that Mm -hmm. would then sink me like that sounds so dramatic Uh, but yeah okay it was like every single dollar counted and I grew up really knowing the value of a dollar. So I remember working in part-time jobs earlier than you were supposed to. I was able to like get through the lines of the paper round and like the cleaning and all of that sort of stuff. And any opportunity there was to make more money. So through school holidays, like my hand was up. And I remember like one job was just shredding paper in front of a shredder for like five six hours in a day and I hated it but I was like I'm getting money so it's all good oh wow (laughs) yeah but go I feel like that must translate so much into your work ethic today to be such a hustler I am like every single dollar I spend on the company credit card I'm so conscious like remember we Mm. had that marketing meeting yeah yeah yeah. and work was paying for my uber but I was like I can't I don't want to you know there's a surcharge and so for everything every little thing I do at work I'm so conscious and I treat the business like it's my own and my own money. So yeah, I am really careful around it. And I think then growing up a little further, one of my earliest memories of like having a good amount of money is probably having worked that five years from like 10 to 15 and buying my first car. And I still remember I got the 5k cash out at the bank Mm -hmm. and I remember being so fearful that something was going to happen to me and my money from that journey from the bank to the car yard. And like ah. almost being paralyzed with fear that that money was going to go because I couldn't just ask my parents for the 5k if it got lost. So I just that fear element was so strong. Mm. But then I also really appreciated the dollar because I remember, for example, I'd always lose like my clothes. So I'd always lose my school uniforms. So mm. my parents would say, you have to pay for your uniform. And if you keep it for the year, then we will reimburse you. And so oh, I really wow. valued you know, that money yeah. exchange. So yeah, yeah. yeah. interesting yeah. journey with money. Do you have an aha moment where from maybe feeling, so I would say that that was probably a, a view of scarcity that yeah. like they're feeling the being scared of taking that money from the bank or the ATM to buy the car and things like that and constantly worrying about that. Definitely. Did you have a moment where you swapped that perspective and is your perspective of money different now than to back then? The only time that changed was when I started having a full-time job. 
Otherwise, mm. I would say all the way up until I was 22, I was so fearful of anything happening outside of my control mm-hmm. that would then impact my money because I always wanted to have a safety net, whether that was like $500 or a thousand, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. If Even if that meant my car couldn't get a waff, like that would put me in tears right. knowing, thinking, well, how the hell am I going to be able to afford this? You know, like there was no opportunity to find or get that money anywhere else. And so it wasn't until I started seeing real money and like good a good wage that that scarcity stopped. But I still notice that comes through even now. Like I, I earn a fantastic wage. I'm really financially stable. Mm-hmm. But for example, I mean, you're sitting in the living room now. We had a renovation situation where something came up that was like out of the budget. And my first instinct was like, holy shit. Like I freaked out thinking this is going to put me under. And then yeah. I just had to sit for a second. I'm like, Mick, you're going to be fine. You can pay this next week. It's all okay. But that still took me back to my childhood of that that strong fear of not knowing what next week would look like because it was like week by week sort of thing. Yeah, interesting. Mm. And on that note, you you bought the property with your partner. Yeah. Yep. And so you split all the expenses, I assume, is that? Yeah, yeah. everything's 50-50. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. And so interesting that you still had that kind of flight reaction. Right. That you have a partner to share that with. Yeah. What so? What is his perspective on on so money? Do you know? He's been through such an amazing money journey. He, before we met, he was very much the money would come in from his weekly job and it would go out the next day. So he would buy nice TVs. He would. He's very generous. He really looks after the people around him, and that's amazing. I love that. But it also meant that he wasn't setting himself up financially because it was very much an in and out um, situation. Mm-hmm. But he completely like one eighty. He. When we first met and we were like, we really wanted to buy a house. That was such a big goal for us. Yeah. We sat down, we budgeted, and he's just been like impeccable. Like I'm so proud of him. And I think it's a good example to show that you can change your relationship with money and your habits. Like yeah. it's just because you're doing something now doesn't mean that you can change, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. How would you describe your relationship with money now in three words? I would say stable. I would say growing and I would say empowered so I would say stable because now I finally feel financially stable I feel confident in my understanding of money and how I can make it work for me and I also understand that I'm going to be okay next week Um, that's really that was really always important to me and then I would say growing because I still have so much to learn you know, I only started investing two years ago, so I'm still at the very start of my investment journey. I only bought property a year ago, so I'm still very much at the start of that, and I'm I'm excited and I'm curious. And, you know, that's why I love being around you because <laughs> you know much more about particular things than I do, and I find all of that so fascinating, but you also speak about it in such a transparent, open way. Um, so I really love that, and I want to continue to surround myself with people who are passionate about money as well. Yeah. And then I would say empowered because I think money gives me independence. You know, I've seen too many relationships and this is not I about- love this so much. <laughs> <laughs> this is no reflection on Tomo. I'm going to be on Tomo for the rest of my life. But I've seen too many relationships where they stay together because they cannot survive financially apart. And that is, is just feels awful. Like that literally, look, I've got yeah, goosebumps as well. Right? Yeah. Like yeah. that terrifies me. And so I always want to be in a position that I don't have to rely on anybody. Um, financially. Mm. So yeah, I feel, I feel empowered with my money situation now. 
I love that. I love that so much. And I also love talking to, <laughs> to you about money. Yes. Um, and so you mentioned that you have recently, and w- within the last one to two years, started investing in both property and shares. Yep. Can you tell me about the journey to start investing for you? So maybe if we start with the, the property journey. Yeah. Is that all right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I knew, again, I really wanted to have a property because it gave me that stability base that I felt was really important to me Mm -hmm. and so we sat down probably now I'd say five years ago we did the full budget we figured out what we'd need and what I found extremely frustrating is every time I'd meet the metric of where I was supposed to go the property market would move so fast that I couldn't keep up to it when you say where you were supposed to go what do you mean by that um so we initially sat down thinking we'd be able to buy a seven hundred thousand dollar house in Auckland Mm -hmm. North Shore and it took three years to get to that point to be able to have enough to, for the deposit. Mm-hmm. And then that that needle moved. So your baseline in Auckland to be able to buy something, then moved to like 800, then 850. So I found that really disheartening to feel like I was giving it my all, like sacrificing things as well yeah, and not being able to meet the goal. As that goal pulse was moving, did you consider still trying to find a house that was at that um, 700k mark but sooner or like according to that timeline or kind of compromising on the value or were you kind of yeah. stuck on these this is the area that I want to buy in or I was a little like for me I really liked the shore it would have been really good for like my growth mindset to move outside <laughs> of the shore but it's comfortable it's like one thing I can control I know the area and yeah. it feels it feels like a safe bet right yeah. Yeah. and just for my biggest investment ever I just wanted to play as safe as possible and I definitely had to compromise on what I wanted even what we're sitting in now we went out you know towards the end of meeting those goals we were still saving and so with the bank's um, ability for loaning we were able to get a house that was just over a million Mm -hmm. and so what we were looking for is the homes with the granny flats underneath where we could rent it out for four hundred dollars a week but those were just going like insane at every auction we missed out every single one every single one we did so we got six property building reports over our journey was that expensive yes yeah (laughs) like eight hundred dollars a freaking pot is it oh wow heartbreaking to then miss out anyway yeah, yeah. um six of them oh I'm I try not to think to, about sorry it to take you back <laughs> <laughs> I had a really bad money habit actually every time we'd lose that auction or we'd see the damage the really bad property report with moisture levels is we'd go out and just like emotionally eat we'd go to a really nice restaurant but like we're never gonna get to our freaking goal oh. and just eat and Drink cocktails. It was really unhealthy. <laughs> well, at least you, you know, you yeah. could just round those eight hundred dollars a grand, and then there you go. You exactly. Know. We're already spending ridiculous. Why not keep going? <laughs> yeah. So I'm good with my money, but I still have my moments where I um relapse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> relapse. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And so with investing in the share markets, can you tell me a bit more about your journey with shares? Yeah, absolutely. So I started. I initially didn't start, sorry, because I thought it was very much a Wall Street thing, a white man suit situation, and I thought you needed like $200,000 to even start. And then these platforms started coming out through New Zealand, which I just think made it so much more accessible and achievable. And mm-hmm. they were giving this information out in ways in such like beautiful layman terms where I didn't feel stupid mm-hmm. being on a webinar or listening you know, to a podcast or reading a blog or whatever. And so... For me, I just started investing locally. Mm-hmm. So in companies, particularly those that I used, it feels good to be able to invest in a company that I would then put more money into it when I'm using their service. So yeah. I invested in Air New Zealand, obviously 
not great right now, but <laughs> <laughs> I believe in the brand. I believe in the management team. Yeah. Um, and so I was putting my money between that and ETFs dependent. The ETFs weren't places that I um, shopped at, but the individual companies were. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was a user of their product or their service. And then like I'm still very much in the beginning of my investment journey, but I've started investing in overseas shares. And again, mm-hmm. I'm very cautious to, I think it's so easy to get like caught up in the hype of doing individual companies like your Tesla and yeah. your NIO and all of that. So yeah. I try and play it safe and just do like S&P 500, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. Just keep it super broad at the moment, but yeah. definitely looking at ways that I can like broaden my knowledge there and, deep dive cool yeah also i think i'm very similar to you yeah i started investing in shares i think about two years ago now okay but i started the other way around so i started investing in individual companies Mm, you know um (laughs) and i guess you said um in new zealand actually yeah uh and then now i've moved into investing with kernel so um index funds but it's great like you said, that there are, is a way for people to get started now and it's so accessible. Yes. And I think the important thing is to just get started. Right. And then you just go from there, you learn yeah. more, a little bit at a time. Absolutely. Going back to the property, yeah. so in order to buy the house, um, if you're comfortable, how much did you pay for your property? So I won't say the exact number, but mm-hmm. I will give, I'm happy to give a band. Cool, so yeah. we, the property we're in now costs between... 900 and a million. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Which is wild, isn't it? When you look around and it's a very basic house. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I think the house is insured for like 300K, which just oh, wow. shows how much value is in the land. land. Yeah. That's really fascinating, actually. It's disgusting. I can't believe it. Yeah. I can't believe I just, I spent that much money, but on a piece of land. <laughs> Long term. Long term thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, what's your perspective on this house? Is it an investment property as such or is it your forever home? Definitely not my forever home or my dream home. I would love to be able to have it as an investment property. It was a rental for 33 years prior to us moving into it. Oh, wow. Um, and they maintained it really well. But as you start renovating and doing little things to it, it, you know, you become a little more attached to it, but it's not my dream home. So I would like to be able to sell this or keep it as a rental um, probably in a couple of years, five years. I don't know. Cool. The world's all over the place. So we'll just we'll play it by ear. But I think I'd like to probably buy an investment property outside of Auckland around that like 500k mark would be my next step I'd say oh yeah okay. um, before doing anything with this oh cool yeah. and um you're renovating obviously yeah. so how are you finding that do you I mean you're a fan or no. <laughs> <laughs> I have a, I like the, the finished product but just yeah it's stressful I find it stressful and my knowledge gap between being able to do it is what I struggle with I don't like not knowing things mm-hmm. um and I'm a, at the very basic level when it comes to your trades yeah yeah yeah, massively so I've learned a lot but um I'm also impatient like I wanted this done yesterday yeah you know so the journey is good I'll take that back I won't say it's awful yeah Um, yeah I'm learning to become patient and enjoy the learning like I have so much respect for trades people yeah so So jumping over to comparison Mm -hmm. starting point do you compare yourself to others when it comes to money So in terms of money, I really do now. It's a lot less than what I used to, but that used to be a daily thing in my head. One of my earliest memories, and I want this to be said with a lens that reminded that I was 12 years old Mm -hmm. and it's not a malicious thing. I didn't have a full understanding of it, but when the GFC hit, 
I remember feeling excited because I thought I'd finally be at an even playing field with everyone. Not obviously understanding that that's going to, you know, destroy people's livelihoods. That wasn't um, in my thought process, but I was so excited that it was finally going to be fair, but Mm -hmm. life's not fair. You know, (laughs) there's always going to be somebody worse off or better off than you. And that's just a matter of getting over it. But yeah, I definitely, I compared a lot growing up. And do you compare now, would you say as well? Now I would say it's a lot less, it's not as often in front of mind. What I'd probably say more so than money is like compare for career progression. So if I see somebody else who's doing, you know, incredibly well, who's moved up so quickly, I'm like, well, what am I doing wrong? And I don't think it needs to be a conversation of what I'm lacking, but instead that should be used as like inspiration or benchmarking as opposed to a, um, again, that scarcity mindset. Mm, Interesting. Mm. And I think, I think that's really important because career is naturally associated to our money because we have a salary or if we own a business or whatever Definitely, that is. Do you talk to other people about your salary or are you pretty open about that? Yeah, absolutely. But I'm also, I read the room. So I'm not going to go into a room and be like, hey, everybody, I earn X, Y, Z. Like I (laughs) just don't think it's appropriate. But if somebody comes to me and they want to know about what I earn because they are looking to get into a similar position, then Mm -hmm. I will be completely transparent. Um, I talk openly about salary with my parents. Like I know what they earn. And I, I think I know a lot of what my friends earn because we keep this open conversation so that we can help each other ask for more if it's not actually on par with what they should be earning. Yeah. And when you say what they should be earning, do you mean according to what like society is earning or uh, like do you have a benchmark that you go to outside of your friends as well yeah I mean I feel like again it's pretty siloed to marketing that's my experience so if somebody was to come and ask me well they should be getting paid if they're in a government job I would have no clue yeah you know so I only <laughs> offer advice and my understanding based on my experience and um, I'm always a, I try and stay across like um, market data as well to figure out what should be people should be getting paid and so you're a manager in your day-to-day yeah you manage one person two two two. and is do you believe that talking about our salaries openly in the workplace is something that we should get behind or you know what are your thoughts on that that's a tricky one so I don't believe exact numbers should be shared within the company I think that can create resentment and again like within the organization I work for there's so many jobs that are not like for like So just because somebody earns one number and somebody earns less, it's like comparing apples with pears. Mm. So in that instance, I would say no, but I think what's really healthy is being aware of the salary band that you can work up to. And then at least that keeps companies accountable and there's some level of transparency without having any animosity toward your colleagues. And, you know, especially it's so topical right now, having just celebrated International Women's Day around the gender pay gap, having those salary bands be transparent and visible makes people understand what is right and what is wrong in terms of what people should be paid. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I would feel pretty uncomfortable having an open conversation within my team saying, I earn this X, Y, Z. Yeah, yeah no, definitely. I think it's great because it can also help um, provide goals so yeah. and create um, a sense of purpose within yeah. your role that you know that you're working towards. You see a the ladder, right? Or, yeah, yeah, exactly. And And naturally I feel when you feel valued and paid well, that's only going to be a good thing for your employer. But I do also agree that an exact number can create problems. I was um, speaking to my parents in uh, Denmark and they were, they were saying that in, in Denmark, uh, 
So it's written into contracts that you should not be talking about your salary to people. Right. So you can get fired if you tell someone wow. else your salary, which I found really fascinating. Yeah. But then in, in Sweden, um, all salaries are publicly uh, or are published publicly. Is it their band or like the exact number? I think I think it is their band. I'll have right. to double check that. But I, I mean, I guess it speaks to their socialistic yeah. society. But I feel like that is – you'd feel very exposed. Very. That's a whole nother level yeah. to just talking about right. it with your friends and family. Like imagine having your salary as like your LinkedIn title. Like that oh, yeah. feels – would. That's so true actually. It's just, I think it's bizarre to have, yeah, that information um, so accessible. And I think there's so many other things that come into play. Like you don't know what kind of package that person has mm. agreed to if they're getting more flexible working, if they've got extra leave – you know, some people negotiate five, six weeks of leave as opposed to your standard four. Mm. And so when you just see a number that only tells one part of the story, not not all of it. So I just think, yeah, yeah. salary bands is my preferred way of, of sharing that info. Yeah. yeah, awesome. So with that in mind, do you have any tips for people who might want to compare themselves against other people? Yeah, I think just probably going a li- being a little more gentle on yourself, knowing that comparison is a thing and I hate regurgitating phrases that are so oversaid but I'm going to do it anyway but comparison is a thief of joy right and I feel like what we were saying earlier is I've seen people put themselves into debt to make themselves look richer or more wealthy on social media Mm -hmm. which like that just seemed that breaks my heart to think that there's people out there who feel like they need to create a perception so strongly that they're actually um, regressing financially Mm -hmm. i think another tip is actually just making sure you benchmark against yourself i really do a focus on that a lot now is you know last year i was earning this or this year it doesn't even have to be about earning either you know like i think whatever whatever your goal is looking at how you can improve on where you currently are i think is a really nice way to be able to focus on yourself and um because it's a loud world out there and it's very easy to yeah almost feel like you can't move forward because you're so paralyzed by comparison. Mm, I really like that. I think that's a really good motto to to work off as be better than you were before yeah. rather than having a finite number that you want to work towards or whatever goal. Definitely. Um, any last comments? My share? last comment would be I think it's healthy and I think it's absolutely acceptable to love money. I think talking about money is fantastic, particularly for the female listeners. Shout out to all the men as well, but I just think, Having money goals is great. Yeah. And I don't think anybody should let you think otherwise. Well, thank you so much for um, giving your time and for chatting about money and being so open. We really appreciate it. Yay. Go subscribe. Yes. Right. Yes. Like. <laughs> All the things. <laughs> cool. We hope you enjoyed the first of our Money Moments episodes. If you'd like to find out more about how you could feature on a future episode, get in touch with us on Instagram at It's No Secret NZ or contact us on LinkedIn. We look forward to hearing from you.